I think the two basic types of music indigenous to this country are uh, the uh, black music, blues, and the kind of folk music that was brought over from Europe, and you know, with, I guess they call it country music, or the kind of West Virginia high and lonesome sound. That those, those are the two main streams of root American music. There might be others, I don't know. But uh, it looks like, uh, and like 10 years ago, what they called rock and roll was kind of a blending of those two forms. Uh, and I guess what's happening now is that rock is kind of dying out and everyone is going back to the roots again. Some are going back into country and some are going uh, back into basic blues. I guess in four or five years, uh, the new uh, generation's music will be, um, <clears throat> it'll have uh, a synthesis of those two elements and some third thing that'll be entire, maybe it'll be, uh, it might rely uh, heavily on uh, uh, electronics, uh, tapes. I can kind of envision maybe uh, one person with a, uh, a lot of machines, tapes, and electronic setups, uh, uh, singing or speaking and, and using machines. everybody in i'm sure that no one has ever introduced a podcast about tonight's subject uh the way that i just did um but welcome to another episode of pod like a whole season three where we're running the gamut of all of our favorite bands artists and albums and tonight uh we rolled a uh number two and of course the list if you are following along at home um, you are made of sterner stuff than us because uh, there is no rhyme or reason. The, the list gets renumbered every time one gets removed. So just stop doing the math. Leave it to the professionals. Um, but what we're doing here tonight, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite bands. And who is me? I am Mark. And uh, my one of my favorite bands growing up who really introduced me into really getting into music would be the doors yes i know that is really stereotypical really basic um but hey guilty as charged folks um i didn't have any jim morrison posters in my room especially that iconic one where he's got his arms hanging you know from left to the right to east to west wearing that beaded necklace and that uh greek mythology hair that's all perfectly feathered uh, but the, did, the, Dewey, the Dewey Cox, the Dewey Cox. That's that's right. The Dewey Cox, the, the Dewey Cox pose. Um, but that's we're not, not the, just going to. Uh, that's, that's not the first time tonight that somebody's going to talk about John C. Riley. Uh, that's all right. I mean, I, he's always welcome. Any conversation, he can pull up a chair. Um, so we're going to talk about the Doors, and we're going to talk about the last one that featured old Mr. Mojo Ryzen, Mr. Jim Morrison, Mr. The Lizard King. Um, that would be L.A. Woman. And uh, why I picked that one? Well, you're just going to have to wait and see. But I didn't come alone. I uh, came along with some dear friends, some 
folks that uh, mean a lot to me and mean very little to me at the same time. It's, uh, it's the yin and yang, um, but that's not true. It's not true at all. Oh, this episode really <laughs> off to a roaring start. This is great. <laughs> well, I agree, I agree with you. I agree. That, that's exactly how I feel as well. Hey, it, uh, it ebbs and flows depending on the day. Um, so first I'll introduce all of you out there who may somehow stumble upon this and think, hey, we got some guys in their 40s talking about the doors, some freedom rock. All right, finally. Hey, man, is that freedom rock? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. Um, so first, uh, someone who probably isn't as well-versed in freedom rock uh, as... Uh, me and the other co-host. I'm going I'm to toss it over to Eric to introduce himself. Eric, give us your bona fides. Hey, thanks. Yeah, and uh, you're, tr- you're right. But still, I am proud to be a part of this number. Hell yeah. Uh, that's, that's a good cut. Uh, good ref. Good love it. Um, all right. And then, of course, um, who always was riding shotgun with me as we had a uh, three-act play and we'll be talking about that song a little bit later. Um, I couldn't have done it without him, uh, but uh, Mr. Steve, Stephen Earl, tell me, um, are you wearing your leather pants? Is your shirt open? Um, what's going on? Oh, the only answer to that question is, uh, is that Freedom Rock? <laughs> exactly. What? Freedom Rock? <laughs> T- turn it up. Turn it up, man. <laughs> Right on. That's actually Those... season, season four is the Freedom Rock special where we take <laughs> Freedom Rock, the great collection that you could buy off of uh, Channel 58 in 1989. And every every track off of that, we're going to do the whole album. So, yes, you're going to have Doors. You're going to have uh, Eric's Ooh. favorite band, Leonard Skinnerd. There's going to there's going to be some Doobie Brothers. Maybe Steely Dan. I don't know. Sound like Steely. You know what? No, Steely Dan is on that goddamn thing. That's the probably of course. the first. The Reeling first in place. the years has got to be on there. No, I mean, it my is God. on there. I think that's the first place I fucking heard Steely Dan is that commercial. No, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where the first time you heard uh, that riff for Reeling in the years was. That was 96.9 The Eagles. Um, like... that was their 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 jingle i am telling you that it was but it was also the freedom rock jingle i am going to do this live um anyhow mark keep going but uh freedom rock that's what it's all about tonight we'll take a slow ride through it i mean um you know you don't have to ask me twice to do a freedom rock season um like i will just grow out a mustache i will start wearing um american flag bandanas um tied ever so tightly around my forehead um and you know we'll get a chopper baby we'll just start oh boy oh boy if i'm expected to stick stick around for that i'm just gonna dress like a black panther for that entire season and talk shit (laughs) getting back to what's important i hate to report but i just watched the entire freedom rock commercial and there is no steely dan oh with a heavy heart you yeah, must I, now report that Steely Dan did not make the cut. Yeah, um, definitely, uh, they're out. They, you know, I know they're out there on some other collection. I'm gonna have to stay up all night finding this. 
And they definitely were part of the Eagles, uh, uh, Tom Nakashima or, or Charlie Thomas, you know, after their, their, their sign in. Oh yeah. I mean, um, I'm telling you, they got some grooves, uh, can't buy a thrill, good record from start to finish. Um, you can take that to the bank. But we're not going to talk about Steely Dan tonight. Uh, that'll be for another night, I'm sure. Um, any Anything on the bulletin boards, the Bowie bulletin, the Nine Inch News, anything going through the uh, uh, the stock? I've cycled, um, I've cycled through all our artists that we've talked about in the past, and the only thing I could find this weekend was that uh, Uncle Acid will be at Bonnaroo <laughs> in 2021. Uh, <laughs> all right. Bowie has a box set coming out, Width of a Circle. It's just... Um, it's some uh, studio takes from around that era. Some songs that ended up on Man Who Sold the World. Some some uh, some other uh, non-album tracks. Um, some live stuff. So that's coming out. There you go. Uh, um, the, uh, the, the Mark sent us some uh, a video tonight of uh, the the Starship Enterprise dancing to the end of Closer. That was some some news. Yeah, um, I found that on the. Uh, Nine Inch Nails Reddit sub thread, um, subreddit. So uh, there are sometimes good things you can find on there. Um, so there you go. Uh, anything else? Anything else? I don't think there's anything else. So I think we should just get right down to brass tacks. Oh, I got, uh, I got one more thing that I found. Let's hear it. Let's, let's go. Uh, friend of the show, St. Vincent, believe it or not, she is. She is. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that, that cover of piggy that she did, the, her and Dave Grohl are going to put a, a a single out with that on one side, and then their cover of Metallica's "Sad But True" on the other side. I, I think it's a like a four song EP she's putting out uh, of covers. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah, yep. Ah, well, it's going to have those two on there, which that's, that's the important part. I, I just listened to uh to the Black Album all the way through again on one of my road trips. I stand by that record going on thirty years now. It's thirty years old. That slab of rock and roll. Yeah, um, I agree. I think um, it's quite a funny. I mean, we've talked about that, and my God, how many, how much ink has been spilled about this? About Metallica selling out, and then as when Load came out after um, so many years between records, um, just the fact that they cut their hair. Holy shit! Like you would have thought that they, you know, had a duet with Britney Spears or something, um, which wouldn't be that bad. But yeah. Simpler time uh, when something like that was a, a big deal. Not these days. But, uh, Not these days. Yeah, the, the Metallica's Black album was that and Terminator Two, hand in hand. That was the that was that was the they were the biggest things in the world that year. Oh yeah, that's where Steve um, went down the crossroads. That was his version of meeting the devil at the crossroads. Apparently, that's, I literally I think I yeah, is. formed my entire identity in 1991. <laughs> I don't regret it. It's fine. <laughs> no looking back now. Um, but actually, it is time to look back. It is time to look back at our own personal history with the doors. Um, now, my own personal history, and I'll just start it off because I guess I'm hosting this particular episode. Um, I believe I was eighth grade, ninth grade, um, when I got the doors best of that double CD. Um, that has that iconic Dewey Cox photo on there. 
and I devoured that bad boy. I essentially walked around everywhere with my Walkman um, with at least one disc one and disc two ready to be locked and loaded in there. Um, long car trips. That was my best friend. Um, that, that best of record and just putting the headphones on and, um, just really getting lost into it. Then, you know, once I started having the ability to actually buy my records, um, then I started actually going through buying everything on the discography and really finding out that, uh, I am a big, big, big fan. Um, and I think if I trace back essentially just my love for music, um, it really starts at the doors and, uh, I think that they were incredibly influential on, um, how I thought about music, how I thought about it as an art, how I thought about as a rock and roll art form, um, how I thought about it as a personality, unfortunately, not to say that I dressed in leather pants and wanted to be Jim Morrison, but, he was my first, I guess, big rock star that I uh, was very fascinated with. So I read some biographies. No one gets out of here alive. That was like the big one. Um, I've read John Densmore book, um, who's the drummer of the doors. And uh, yeah, it, it, they're, they're a band that I can set down and walk away from and then pick them up. Like maybe after a year of not listening to them, and I will say that uh, it's been a while since I actually have listened to The Doors, besides when they come on shuffle, of course. Um, but man, I uh, rekindled my fascination and my my love for this band. And they're an easy band to dunk on, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, I don't take offense to that at all. And I I think I know what's driving that. And we'll definitely talk about the movie a little bit later. Um, but that's my personal history with the doors. And I feel like I am kind of that annoying guy in the corner who, as soon as like someone says, yeah, I like that song, light my fire. I'm like, Oh, do you, well, have you heard tell all the people off the soft parade? And then they're quickly looking for someone else to talk to. Uh, but that's me. But thankfully I married, um, my wife who is equally as in love with the doors as I am. So it's a good, it's a good mix. So, Stephen, take me down memory lane. Bring me back to that white accent machine I called my truck. Uh, that's right. Uh, I, uh, my history with the Doors is because of Mark's history with the Doors. Of course, when I was little, I heard of the Doors on the before-mentioned Eagle. And my parents were into the classic rock. But uh, they never were into the Doors. I didn't discover them through my parents. And uh, yeah, it was Mark. I borrowed actually that that double disc set. I borrowed that from Mark. That's it. I very specifically remember borrowing that. And I was like, oh, the doors they got something going on here. And uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was in high school. That was when we were about fifteen. I think fifteen is a perfect age to get into the doors and listen to all the albums. Probably through Mark's collection, I ended up buying one or two of them. I've never owned them all, but I've heard them all, and. Uh, the ones I like, I like a lot, and we'll talk about one of those tonight. But yeah, no, riding around with Mark in high school, listening to The Doors all the time. I remember very specifically, specific roads uh, between Penryn, Loomis, Newcastle, and Roseville. I will drive on these roads to this day, and so I'll be like, oh, I, I remember driving on uh, 
Brannon uh, Street and listening to Waiting for the Sun one time. Like, I remember very specifically times listening to specific songs. That's uh, the good old days. So, yep, it was all, all because of Mark that I became a, uh, a, a, a just more, not a, more than a casual fan, not a super fan, but I am a Doors fan. There you go. You can't ask for anything more. I mean, um, and that's why I'm, uh, okay. So I'm sure that you've had bands that you're like, I know that like this person may not like it because of what they've, you know, they may be considered overrated and I'm very kind of protective because of my own personal history with the band. And, but, uh, here I am asking the person who, probably out of the three of us probably is not a huge fan can appreciate them, but, uh, might not be his thing. But, uh, Eric, tell me about your personal history with the doors. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, so something about, uh, about, you know, my parents music taste, well, especially my dad is he loves psychedelic music. Um, that's his bread and butter. So if you can imagine a silver Fox dancing around air guitaring around the house, uh, drinking his sundown scotch as the, uh, listening to, uh, you know, Jefferson airplane, um, and the doors from time to time. And one thing I knew early on as I was getting into music was one thing I knew about doors was doors was a, a band that, that, that really used that, that organ. That was a distinctive sound to them. And, um, obviously Jim's voice is distinctive, but that was what stood out to me first. Um, so I kind of knew who they were and then the Forrest Gump soundtrack, <laughs> my parents got that. And obviously it's a who's who of, of fifties and sixties and seventies music. But the only song on there that sounded anything like a bridge to the music I liked in the mid nineties, my Nirvana's and, and, uh, you know, my nine inch nails and stuff like that was the doors and break on through was on there. And, um, and I just love that song. And, and whenever that song would come on, when my parents were listening to it, I get so excited. Like that song was just a, just a, just a, uh, a heart pumping sweat on the brow rocker. And, um, I love that song. I love it to this day. I, I mean, I know it's basic, but that it's a, it's a cool song. Um, and that's, and like, that's what I, you know, I could, I could hear the evolution of alternative rock from that song. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, since then, um, you know, when they come on, they, they're a band that I, that never got their hooks in me to explore and do, do full album listens. So this is my first time doing a doors full album. Listen, um, uh, they don't, they, you know, they don't bother me and, um, I can certainly just groove out when they're playing in the background. Um, but, uh, other than just kind of enjoying a song here and there, uh, the, uh, the itch, the I've never needed to scratch that itch um, for whatever reason. Um, so this was, I was excited to, uh, to explore, to give them a, a, a real college try. Yeah, that's fair. And um, say what you will about the movie Forrest Gump, which, you know, I recently watched that again and still made me cry. Yeah. I'm again, basic, uh, but uh, it is the boomer movie for uh, a generation. I'll tell you that. Uh, it stars America's dad of Tom Hanks in a role that, uh, well, I don't know if you could really do that today, but anyhow, um, that soundtrack, I think that was my gateway. Um, I think it did have break on through. I don't think it had light my fire on there as well. It may have, um, I'm sure Steve can look that up as he's, uh, 
looking up more where Steely Dan is on any sort of freedom rock comp. Um, I, I, I am not a fan of that song, to be honest with you. Break on through. No, I love break on through. Uh, oh, light my fire. Light my yeah. fire. It's more just because of familiarity, but, uh, I mean, that's the thing with the doors is that <clears throat> they are a soundtrack band. Yeah. They, uh, the, the three remaining members have made so much money off licensing these songs and good for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I like a lot of those songs I've heard a billion times, but light my fire. I just want to be like, get out. I'm done. So <laughs> and I think that's part of, and, and that's part of like, well, not the, whenever I'm not in the mood for the doors, if that does happen, it's probably just because sometimes basic isn't the word, but when I compare them to their contemporaries, uh-huh. I always feel like their contemporaries were doing a lot more. And if it wasn't for the mystique of Jim Morrison, I do not know if we'd ever talk about this band. And I, I'm we not, do know I, the answer to that because they released two records outside yeah, of Jim exactly. Morrison that no one ever fucking knows about. So, yeah. And I yeah. know a lot of bands are defined by one singular artist. That's not a knock on the doors as much that I just sometimes if I'm not getting it, it's because I'm thinking like if I want to listen to the Beatles or I listen to the Stones, Floyd, uh, any other bands from that era, even other California bands like, um, well, fuck Mark. Don't, you know, I'm sorry. Not being offensive here. I think I get more out of Crosby, Stills and Nash at the age of 40 than I do the doors. I, that sounds rude, but uh, it's not rude though. It, I, um, I just, yeah, there's just more yeah. going on with other artists. So, uh, That's, that was the thing. Yeah. And there's um, no, I was just going to say, no, uh, Forrest Gump soundtrack includes break on through. Um, but also in the movie, but not in the soundtrack, whereas soul kitchen, hello, I love you. And people are strange. Sorry. Continue. There you go. No. Yeah. There you go. Um, I mean, so I, I think I have, I take first no offense to that period because um, I think that they are what I consider to be um, English a, and then as you go and progress a little bit more into some of the other artists, you see like a little bit more, I'm not going to say creativity, but a little bit more evolution of sound. So um, if you kind of start and stop at the doors, I think that you're um, not looking at it the right way. I, I, of course, I love the doors and they are certainly driven by the personality of Jim Morrison. Um, And, but I do think the four of them together uh, make some magic happen because you know, yes, he was a very charismatic front man. Um, but I also think that he was very talented. I think that his uh, vocal style, his singing style, his poetry writing, his lyrics, um, and his onstage presence are uh, something that is almost iconic. And, you know, for me, like whenever I see live footage of Jim Morrison, I feel like I'm watching like uh, footage of like Paul Bunyan or Bigfoot because uh, yeah. it just seems so like unreal it seems that how the even though i don't feel that same sensation when i watch like Jimi hendrix um or um kurt cobain jim morrison has reached this status where he's mythologized and turned into this legend where it doesn't seem quite real and i don't know what the hell maybe that's just me but that's just how i feel whenever i see like live footage of him actually performing no i think i think uh oliver stone made sure that uh, it's not just you um, yeah, you know, there, we'll there's some truth. Definitely to that talk about that. Yeah. Think about how many, you know, Iggy pop, Alice Cooper. Um, and I'm sure many, many other musicians that came after the doors that were influenced by his presence 
and uh, he was he wasn't a typical rock star even for that time. The whole you know totally throwing himself into the music to an uh, to an extent uh, almost in the like but harm's way. Uh, that's definitely a type of rock star that uh, mutated and evolved in another direction that Jim Morrison was the start of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that I don't take any offense to that whatsoever. I mean, I, I also I, you know, back to yeah. my comment about saying that they were uh, lack of any better terms here, simple compared to some of their contemporaries, not completely true. I think they just had a formula they knew that worked, but I mean, that's what the soft parades, my favorite doors album. And it's the least, if you go to the, the, you know, that's the one everybody says is their worst album for the most part, which I, I never understand. And even beyond the title track, which is a masterpiece, that album I think is their most complex album, which showed that they could do a lot more lush sounds than just uh, the four of them without a bass player. And, uh, you know, Ray Van Zarek going into, you know, the a Carney music section. So, yeah, and I think that's a good segue to actually talk a little bit about um, who the players are and uh, a little bit of the band history before we talk about tonight's record, L.A. Woman. Um, so the doors are compromised of, of course, Jim Morrison on vocals, um, Ray Manzarek, organist um, or keyboardist, uh, and then you've got John Densmore on drums, and you have Robbie Krieger on guitar. Uh, Robert Krieger actually did write quite a few of the lyrics uh, the aforementioned Light My Fire was actually written by Robbie Krieger, not Jim Morrison and you can tell um, when you're reading the lyrics like this is probably a Robbie song because um, it's not as uh, not a lot of imagery uh, it's not as deep as, it's not as poetic let's just say it that way I think Robbie writes a little bit more literal um but those are the players. Uh, five of their six albums with Jim Morrison uh, were produced by Paul Rothschild, who was considered almost like a fifth member of The Doors. Um, he was really the one who kept them in their lanes, and he was the big proponent of that record of uh, Soft Parade by adding strings and horns and really trying to expand the sound. Um, but how he started out was uh, down in Venice Beach in 1965, and we've all seen the movie, maybe, maybe not, uh, but that is relatively true and accurate. Um, Ray Manzarek did know Jim Morrison more so as an acquaintance from the uh, UCLA School of Theater and Film, and they had just ran into each other on the beach, and uh, Jim said, I'm, I've got some, some lyrics, and I think it'd be cool if we started a band, um, and he actually... Uh, saying in Moonlight Drive, which that appeared on The Doors' second record, Strange Days, and they wanted to start a band. Um, at that time, Ray Manzarek was already in a band called Rick and the Ravens. Um, it was with his brothers Rick and Jim, um, and... You kept that name. It's a good name. Uh, Rick and the Ravens? Yeah, it's not bad. Um, and then John Densmore, he knew from uh, some trans... Uh, from... Uh, meditation courses uh, he was really big into uh, the same thing that David Lynch is I think TM something like that uh, transcendental meditation um, so he was kind of a jazz drummer and they had a bass player at that time named Patty Sullivan 
and they recorded a little bit. Then the Jim took the name, like I think we should call ourselves The Doors, and it was after uh, Aldous Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception. Um, Aldous Huxley was the writer of Brave New World for all those literature heads. Um, the quote is essentially, if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is infinite. Um, over time, uh, Ray's brothers left the band and that's when Robbie Krieger joined and then Patty Sullivan also left. And then that's where Ray Manzarek just started playing the bass with his left hand. And when I say the left hand, uh, he had this keyboard set up where, um, the low end of the keyboard was on the top and then the uh, regular keyboard was on the bottom. So he would essentially play two different, the rhythm line on the left and then all of his little uh, cats on the keyboard on the right. Why do you think they did that? I have no idea. I, I, I honestly, I don't know because in later records they would bring in bass players and there was certainly a bass player on the record that we're going to talk about tonight. I don't know if it was just, they couldn't find a, uh, a fifth person that really fit into the group and they wanted to make them, but that's just, I don't know. I have, did you guys find any it's research? One, one on less that? person to split their, uh, their club, their club, their club money with. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> you know, probably so. Right. That might be it. The, you know, the, the troubadour wasn't gonna, you're not going to buy a house playing there. I'm sure. So, um, they had a residency at this LA club called the London fog. Uh, it was like go-go dancers. And at that point, um, Jim was very shy and he would turn his back to the audience and sing just like you saw in the movie. Um, they played at the whiskey, a go-go, uh, and I think love was playing who were also on Electra. And that's where Jack Holzman, who was the president, um, spotted him and said, Hey, I want to make a record with you guys. And, uh, Paul Rothschild was also in attendance. He was like, let's do it. And uh, they were also then essentially kicked out of the whiskey because of what happened in the end. Um, you know, the whole mother, yes, son, I want to fuck you. And you can't really do that in 1966, apparently, say that on stage. It's, what a time to be alive. Yeah, well, Jim got in trouble a few, you know, Nurgle's uh, Artist Protection Fund. Uh, Jim would have been dipping into that back then. Oh, big time. As a matter uh, of yeah. fact, I think he was waiting to, for his court date when he died. For, yeah, for the for Miami incident, his, maybe, or the, yeah, for taking the his, airplane uh, incident. His king snake out during the show. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, so in 1966, they recorded their first record, the self-titled album, uh, The Doors, which is, by all accounts, a classic album. I mean, it has Break On Through, The Other Side, The End, Light My Fire, um, uh, Soul Kitchen, Backdoor Man. I mean, it's a solid record from pretty much top to bottom. Sold like hotcakes. They went on the Ed Sullivan show. We all know how that panned out because he uh, they didn't want him to say this, the lyric higher. He did. Get the fuck out. So, never performed on there again. Um, and did some 60s things. You know, went up to San Francisco, put the flowers in their hair, did the whole summer love thing. Um, you know, and uh, really were riding the wave, really just becoming this really big band. Uh, Jim Morrison was almost seen like what you would see on the cover of Tiger Beat, you know, just this teen sex god. Um, the second record came pretty shortly after, um, Strange Days, that was recorded, uh, I think, pretty much the following year, 1967. 
and because they were just again back in those days like you had to just continue to just churn out records because like you were recording hitting the road recording hitting the road and it was just non-stop they were you Not, know, they, and even by those standards back then the doors were super prolific yeah they they put out uh, <clears throat> six albums in what six years maybe less than that like five, yeah i think so years. i think so I mean, it, it's it's just insane, like, how bands operated back then. I mean, if you look at even the Rolling Stones' um, output during the 60s and the Beatles' output during the 60s, there was not these three-year um, layoffs. They were like, get back in there. We got to keep, like, putting out product. It, no five-year gap allowed. Something. No five-year gaps. No fucking around with the Crows or fucking Natural Born Killer soundtracks. Lost in a romance Wilderness of pain And all the children are insane So to continue, uh, Strange Days came out and we started to see a little bit more of an actual session bass player on there. Has some great tracks on there. People are strange, strange days. Has this wild song called Horse Latitudes. Um, Moonlight drives on there. And one of my like favorite uh, is when the music's over. Uh, it's kind of like a spiritual sequel to the end, if you ask me. Just kind of, you know, you got those breakdown sections where Jim kind of goes off on this poet, poetic rant. Um, those are always fun. That one's that one's a big soundtrack song, isn't it? When the music's over, yeah, you, you you get that on. It's not as like iconic as like let's say the end on Apocalypse Now, which is quite something. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been a few things. Um, but during the tour uh, for Strange Days, um, there was the first run-in with Jim and the authorities, the man. Um, and backstage, he was making time making quality time with a female fan. Uh, police officer came upon him, thought that Jim was just some miscreant, uh, and decided to give him a taste of the mace. And, uh, of course, Jim was kind of egging him on a little bit. He wasn't, you know, backing down. So they got a little unruly. By the time he got out to the uh, to the stage, you know, he pretty much almost caused a riot. Really unruly. Um, and... Uh, you know, police officers apparently don't like to be taunted. Uh, I think Steve has a, uh, a story about that, maybe for a l- another time. That was a very, um, very Jim Morrison moment in my life. Sure thing. Yeah, it was. It sure was. It ended almost the same way. Um, <laughs> so Jim had to be uh, put in the hooskow for a little bit, and he was booked on charges of inciting a riot, indecency, and public obscenity. Um, so there you go. Um Continuing on, they released their third record, Waiting for the Sun, in 1968. And that had Hello, I Love You, um, which apparently Ray Davies of the Kinks thought it sounded a little too close to All Day and All of the Night. And I'll be honest, um, Hello, I Love You is not my favorite song. I think it's one of my least favorite Doors songs of all time. Um, And apparently Jim agrees with me. Uh, He would always leave the vocals to Ray Manzarek to sing it whenever they'd play it live. Um, so 
pass right over waiting for the sun. It's an okay. It's got the unknown soldier. It's, uh, it's not a great, it's not my favorite. There, there is something that was rejected off that record called Celebration of the Lizard, which is about 17 minutes. Kind of was this rambling poetic thing. You can find it like on some compilations out there, but uh, you know, it, it's definitely for further studies. I'll just say that. And then came 1969 in Miami. And this was what Steve was talking about. Uh, so this was the performance apparently that uh, began the downfall of the doors and more legal trouble for Jim Morrison and, uh, and whatnot. Shows up completely drunk, shows up late. Um, it's hot, it's crowded in this um, amphitheater. And it was in a facility that was only supposed to hold like 7,000 people, but 12,000 people were smashed in there. He shows up completely just inebriated, doing his Jim Morrison thing. If you've seen the movie, it's pretty accurate, you know, where he's taunting the crowd, just completely just sloppy as hell. Um, I don't know. You guys uh, familiar with that incident? And yeah, apparently he exposed his dick on stage. Um, and uh, he simulated going down on old Robbie. Uh huh. Uh huh. I, I I enjoyed the uh, the Oliver Stone reenactment of that. Um, but I mean, yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. You know, it wasn't part of my general knowledge of the band. But yeah, I mean, I guess back then that was that was scandalous. I mean, six. It was sixty nine, right? Uh, sixty nine. Yeah. Okay. Just just four years later. Uh, David Bowie was doing something similar at every show for a tour with the Spiders from Mars. So it just shows that people got over that pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you look at this, it's just like, Jesus, I mean, uh, let's all calm down here. But I do think that, you know, people like Jim Morrison and Lenny Bruce certainly helped pave the way for what you can do on stage without having to risk being thrown into jail. I'm sure a lot of that was performative outrage uh-huh. and I'm sure a lot of it was led by uh, evangelicals that uh, just wanted to, I don't know, put these long hairs in their place. And now you're seeing some of that again now with the, uh, it's different though. It seems to me now that everyone gets really mad when black people do things on stage or on the Grammys that they consider offensive. Right. You still see that. Yeah, especially if they happen to be women as well. I mean, it's very, uh, that combo, yeah, the African American women uh, seem to really be setting people off now. Yeah, same people complaining about cancel culture because uh, the record label dropped their favorite country singer who dropped the N bomb. Yeah, which is fucking nonsense. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Don't don't cancel him for dropping the N bomb, but my goodness, these women over here are talking about. wet things on TV. I won't have it. Yeah. Yeah. Old Ben Shapiro. Um, he likes Canada drag. <laughs> um, anyhow, <laughs> um, just to kind of put a button on that. Um, so Densmore, Robbie Krieger and Ray, um, all denied that he exposed himself. Um, but they definitely, you know, uh, he was drunk and he was unruly. He was creating this just pandemonium in the audience. Um, but in 2007, the Florida governor, Charlie Crist, um, apparently suggested pardoning 
posthumously, of course, because Morrison is unfortunately not with us anymore, uh, pardoned him. And it was actually so he's free of all charges as of 2010. So uh, wherever he is, no one's going to be putting the, uh, the handcuffs on him wherever he may be living now. Um, but yeah, I mean, that completely derailed, like it, uh, created this atmosphere around them where they lost some fans. They weren't getting radio play. It was, it was hard. And so what do they do? They come out with their most challenging record to really test the fan base. And that would be the soft parade. That was released also in 1969, a couple months after, uh, the Miami incident. And Rothschild wanted to bring in some horns, some strings, and Densmore and Manzarek were all about it. They were like, yeah, they love jazz music, let's do it. Of course, Jim, he wasn't quite so sold on it, and created a very, very chaotic recording, where it was their most expensive album to record. It took them nine months to record versus probably doing everything in three weeks, and he was drunk as all hell. Do you think... Um, he hated the song "Tell All the do you, People." Do you, but, do you think? Uh, go. go ahead. The uh, producer um, was kind of responding to Pet Sounds and the uh, the kind of eclectic uh, sun, sunshine. Yeah, pop no, that's very that likely. Um, it, that come out three years earlier. Very, very likely. So you've got Pet Sounds. You have um, Sergeant Peppers that are also utilizing more instrumentation. I would absolutely imagine that he was certainly thinking um, the door's got to ride this wave and just didn't work out for them. Um, I don't know if it was a bad fit, but I personally like the song Touch Me quite a bit. I like the song Shaman's Blues. I like the song Soft Parade that goes without saying because that song is bonkers in the best possible way. And we're going to analyze that track. Um, In fact, we can analyze it now, or I can continue going through um, the rest of the history. Um, I'll, let's come back, I'll, I'll let's take come it back to a vote. To you let's got come, it. Let's come back to it. But I, I do have to say, that's my favorite Doors album. Uh, Tell All the People, great song. Yeah, Touch Me, great song. Uh, Easy Ride, I'm a big fan of that one. And uh, Wishful Sinful, I like. And the title track, it's one of my favorite songs in existence. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, then they decided to go a little bit back to basics with Morrison Hotel. Um, Jim was always a big fan of the blues. And, of course, Jim finds himself almost in trouble yet again. In the film, uh, it was played by Tom Sizemore. Uh, so his traveling companion, Tom Baker, they were charged with interfering with a flight of an intercontinental uh, aircraft in public drunkenness. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, was that Sizemore or was that Michael Madsen? Ooh, shit. Good job. I always Michael, confuse the two, yeah. but it was Michael Madsen. Thanks yeah, for Michael, the, yeah, the yeah, autocorrection. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, thank no, no, you. No. I appreciate I just, that. I, Madsen deserves a, a nod when, when, when deserved. Uh, no, I, I, I enjoy Michael Madsen quite a bit. I also like Tom Sizemore. They're both lunatics in the best possible way. I like it when they show up in movies. Um, so thank you, Eric, for that autocorrect. Um... 
So, yeah, uh, Morrison, uh, he could have faced a 10-year federal prison sentence for this incident because there were some new uh, skyjacking laws that came into existence, and they were going to fold that into that, but thankfully that didn't happen. Um, I believe a stewardess changed her testimony, um, and I don't know if Tom Baker went down for it, but I think put more of the blame on him than old Jimbo. So Morrison Hotel comes out. Um, it has an iconic record album cover where they had to quickly run into a hotel. They didn't get clearance from the hotel people. Quickly took the picture and ran the fuck out. Um, they actually had one of their other roadies um, distracting the, the people at the desk in order for them to take that picture and run right out. Um, so that's a fun one. Um, so Roadhouse Blues is on this one. Um, one of my favorite Doors songs. Terrible title, but it's it's Peace Frog. Um, I, I really think that's a great song. Um, in fact, when I saw Robbie Krieger perform live, uh, 20, uh, 20, 2001. I think it was 2001. Um, that's the song they opened with. So that's a fun one. Um, so Morrison Hotel was actually... Um, in the running for which album I wanted to talk about um, because I like the more stripped down ones um, the later the two last records are um, for me a lot of fun I love the bombacity of the soft parade but I wanted to take something a, it's a slightly different take um, but I instead went with LA Woman LA Woman is white the album and uh, we're going to get into that as we go into our track by track Unfortunately, after LA Woman was recorded, as soon as it hit stop, they uh, Jim flew over to Paris and never came back. He died at the age of 27 years old, part of that old uh, infamous 27 club where Janice and Jimmy and Kurt all are hanging out. It's part of that club. And um, Kind of in certain terms, it was likely a drug overdose, but he has his grave over there in Paris, France. I think they had to move his grave because of all of the activity around it. I mean, the end of the Doors film, you see like the actual grave and there's a lot of a lot of graffiti around it. And but there you go. But after the, uh, Jim died, uh, Robbie, Ray, and John did decide to continue on. Not even so. Um, Jim died March 13th and basically by that October they released the next record <laughs> called Other Voices um, and I'll tell you uh, Other Voices in Full Circle um, they may be interesting listens if you just want to kind of complete the journey but they're straight comedy records if you ask me um, it's uh, Ray and Robbie both do some vocal work and um, it just sounds, other voices sounds so empty. It sounds so empty. And I'll just be honest, kind of sad that they just were like thinking that they can continue on without Jim. Um, not like Led Zeppelin did, where as soon as uh, John Bonham died, even though he was just the drummer, when you could, shit, you can get a drummer a dime a dozen. Um, but they were like, no, we can't continue on. Are you kidding? This is fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, thank goodness for that. Exactly. Uh, I wish the Doors took that same uh, philosophy. 
So they released other voices and then full circle, um, two albums that I actually revisited to to today. And, uh, I can't tell you there's one memorable song. Apparently on full circle, there is a memorable song called the mosquito, uh, that Robbie Krieger wrote that did get some national reclaim. Uh, it apparently did well internationally, but I, and that was that, um, the last thing that they actually do officially count as the last record was an American prayer where they took some recordings of Jim's poetry and slapped some, uh, instrumentation on top of that. Uh, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, but it's, it's fine. It's not as bad as full circle or other voices, but there you go. And then for some God knows reason, they, got really popular again in the eighties and popular again in the nineties due to all of the soundtrack work and just their things. And so in 2000 and, uh, they did release this VH one storytellers where they had Ian Asbury of the cult who actually does for his credit does sound like Jim, but Scott Weiland, Scott Stapp of Creed, Perry Farrell, Pat Monahan of train. Good God, kill me. Uh, and Travis Meeks uh, did the vocals on, you know, what was I consider like a Blues Brothers 2000 nonsense. So. Um, but fun fact, in 2013, uh, the remaining members of The Doors recorded with rapper Tech Nine for the song <laughs> Strange 2013. <laughs> so. Uh. Eric, Next there you time. go. There's your your right. gateway to the next. Now they you should, should they to. should uh, they should they should try again and get and I mean I think at this point they just get Donny, Johnny Depp to do the vocals. I think that would be a good fit. <laughs> uh, Johnny Depp did narrate a documentary called uh, "When You're Strange," which isn't bad. I uh, recommend that one. It's a good documentary. Um, but yes, get one of those Hollywood vampires on this and. Uh, and I also come to find out, um, you know, in a brand new segment called Did Al Spoof It, um, Al did a Weird Al Yankovic, that is, did a song called um, Craigslist. And good old Ray Manzarek hit, the, uh, hit that keyboard for, for good old Al. Wow, yeah! Got a 65 Chevy Malibu With automatic drive A custom paint job too I'll trade you for my old wheelbarrow And a slightly used sombrero And I'll even throw in a stapler If you insist Long time, long time listeners of the show should appreciate this new segment. Um, I we would be remiss if we didn't mention any time Word Al overlapped with something we're talking about. And Craigslist is a fantastic song. Before we get into the soft parade, a couple of things I'd like to make sure we touch on. One, I didn't rewatch it, but get, you guys give me your uh, four minute review of the Doors movie. 
Oh, we were going to yeah. discuss the Doors movie a little yeah. bit more yeah. than four minutes, so we can we can do the soft parade and then we'll it, talk uh, for about anybody that the read Doors the movie. the okay. agenda that Mark sent yeah. out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Steve had to correct me because uh, one thing that I did omit: um, the last performance that uh, the Doors ever did. Uh, was December 12th, 1970, because Jim, it was in New Orleans. Jim was having a complete breakdown. Uh, midway through the set, he just slammed the microphone on the stage and he destroyed the platform and sat down and just refused to perform for the rest of the show. And that December 12th, 10 years later, one of your co-hosts was born. Yes, that was uh, between that and then four, uh, J- John Lennon dying four days before I was born, those two events had to happen for me to be born. That's right. This, the the energy exactly. from that tantrum uh, uh, went into the went into the ether and 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 then found its place uh, in you, Steve, um, where you can summon that that uh, that 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 spice when you need it. Some Lovecraft country shit right there, I'll tell you. A show yeah. that I actually watched and enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, I need I need to finish that one. Yeah. Um all right, Steve. Uh I think we should talk about the soft parade though. Um not to uh take off your talk track. I know you didn't watch it, but me and Eric did watch the movie, but I'm sure that you've got some in your memory about what that movie was all about. But first, let's talk about the soft parade. And I think before we talk about it, let's take a listen to it right now. Seminary school, there was a person there who put forth the proposition that you can petition the Lord with prayer. Petition the Lord with prayer. Petition the Lord with prayer. You cannot petition the Lord with prayer!
Why are we talking about the Soft Parade song when it's not even on the album that we're talking about? Well, because it is a work of art. Sometimes you have to stop and appreciate things that make you go, hot damn. And maybe I am overestimating how great this song is. Um, Maybe it is the nostalgia factor. But I will tell you, um, it is something. And for me, it takes you on that journey. It goes through three different things. from what I can tell, uh, I did a little bit of research before, and I'll uh, <laughs> back in the uh, early 1960s, the Doors were really hard up for uh, for some cash. They actually did music for a Ford corporate video that it surfaced in 2002. You can watch it on YouTube. It's called "Love Thy Customer," <laughs> and some of the music that uh, found its way on the soft parade uh, originated from the corporate video that they did for, for the Ford motor company. If you can believe that they needed the cash and that's what they fucking did. Um, But all 25 minutes of that is available on YouTube. So check it out before I uh, tell anything about more about the soft parade, Steven, tell me what this song means to you. Well, it's uh the song I've listened to probably over, uh, I don't know, it, it, at least 200 times in my life, maybe 500. It's, it's, I've listened to this song so many times. There will be stretches of years where the only door song I will put on will be this song. And I usually listen to it twice if I listen, if I listen to it once. Uh, I, this is another, a lot of it's nostalgia. Mark and I used to listen to this song all the time in high school. And I think back then we were just gobbed over by the audacity of it all. 
this eight minute long song. It was a title track off the album and it goes through a couple of different movements. And some of the sections sound like uh, sitcom music and the nonsense lyrics, even by Jim Morrison standards are actually just perfect. And I think the last five minutes of it is just uh, a stone cold groovy journey. I, I am just a huge, huge fan of it. The, uh, the, the whole section where they start singing about the soft parade beginning and listen to those engines hum and you got bongo drums going and everything about it shouldn't work, but it works for me. And I probably like it even more because I'm I'm fairly certain that it's kind of panned in in some circles. Yeah. This album in general is, yeah, I don't know what those people, what they're hearing because I just think it's a great track. Yeah. I I mean, it has some absolutely classic moments. Um, Eric, uh, tell me what you first thought when you first heard this song. Someone who's just a casual Doors fan. Quite sure. This may be the first time I've heard this song. Um, uh, So, so some positives here. Um, uh, Actually uh, it's no, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually mostly positive for me Um, in my studies. Uh, when Jim goes into his spoken word poetry, it doesn't always work. Sometimes the band doesn't follow him along and it becomes two separate things. But this song is not the case. The music uh, matches what's happening uh, and, and it becomes a, you know, three, four, five act play. Um, and, and, uh, and the music helps you with that journey, the background music. Um, I mean, the, how do you analyze the lyrics to the song? It's so much nonsense in here. I think the soft parade is like this idea that we're all doomed and the soft parade entertains us while like doom waits on the horizon. Uh, um, this like kind of uh, uh, the is something to entertain us while we're being abused by the gods. Um, which sounds, uh, I, that so many of these lyrics do not tie into that theme whatsoever. Uh, I was just looking for any pieces of yarn that connect to another piece of yarn. That was the best I could do. Uh, yeah, I think with Jim, I think with Jim Morrison, uh, more often than not, he just tries to string words together that he thought sounded cool. Right. Right, 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 right. Very, very likely. My opinion. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, not to cut you off, I do think that Jim is a little bit more um, about trying to paint a picture rather than it, I, it. There is some meaning to it, obviously. It's not just like a word salad, but he's really he gets caught up in the imagery of things. And, and to his mind, he's like, yeah, this makes sense to me. Well, but I mean, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But what, what imagery is better than you know, catacombs, nursery bones, winter women, growing stones, carrying yeah. babies. That's, to the actually, river. that's my, <laughs> a cobra that's on my, my left. Leopard that's on my, my favorite right. part of the, God, where, where the music does during that part. It's great. Um, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah the, the, the music. Yeah. There's a couple sections in the song where the music sounds like a I dream of genie or some shit. Uh, At the beginning. Yeah. You know, yep. The wife yep. comes home. Yeah. I believe they bring up that. That's the, yeah. Yeah. That's the catacombs part. So it, it, and then it ends with the monk bought lunch and then it goes into that dude. Yeah. It just, yeah. 
Where, the monk, the monk bot. I mean, maybe I like this song so much because there's like five different punchlines in here. This song, <laughs> this song might as well be called "Inside Joke." The song for Mark. And I. <laughs> I mean, just the fucking the monk. You know, you do not petition the Lord That's of good. Prayer. We'd yell that all the time. The yeah. monk bot lunch. Well, we'll just to wrap time. up my my thoughts, it's yeah. it is performance art but they are being thoughtful to us, the listener. And that's not always the case with Morrison's performance art, but this one, they're being thoughtful to us and the music takes us on that journey with him, which I appreciate. And I love when the uh, conga drums come in and Jim starts reacting to the music. Like, Oh, this is my favorite part of the trip. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love love it. I love those ad libs. That could be so annoying if not done right. But yeah, that, that section, that kind of sums up what I love about this song. Uh, the, the monk brought lunch going into the, yeah, the whole, the, the, that turns into the groovy part. And you've got this section where you've got Jim, yeah, he bought a little. Yes, he did. You know, you know, this is the best part of the trip. And it's like, it's like all these fucking hippies talking about like getting high or something. It's, it's so good though. The whole like pretty good, huh? It's just, it makes you. You laugh with it. It's exciting. And as soon as that part's done, you've got the, the successful hill here. Hills are here to stay section. And that I, I find that section of the song beautiful. The, the welcome to the soft parade section. It's just so just pleasing to the ear. It's, it's great. It's uh it's, it's like a new day is here. And I just, I could just go on about the song all night. It's a nonsensical song, but it, it tastes, it's a stew that tastes just right. No, I agree. I mean, uh, for me, like, uh, not to mention those parts that you just said, but, um, calling to the dogs, like towards the end where, uh, it's getting harder to describe sailors to the underfed, uh, God, like how it ends to calling on the dogs. Just, I love it. Um, I, I, I love this song, um, quite a bit, quite a bit because it is you know, really swinging for the fences. And I do think that it ex- executes really well. And apparently they only played it once, um, only live once. And it was on a PBS television special and I'll link it in the show notes, but you can actually see that performance. Uh, did you guys watch that performance? What did you think of that? Oh, damn. Now, yeah, now I, I want to watch good. it. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I did not. I did not. I will. You've got your Jim. Jim's looking a little, little heavy. He's got a, he's got a beard. Um, and uh, you know what's interesting about Jim Morrison is that uh, he he died at 27. He's part of that 27 club, as some say, which I, I don't like that name. But uh, it's interesting about him, Jim, him, Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix all to me seem like they were so much older when they died. Like they did so much in their youth that it's like when you listen to Jim Morrison, you're like, wait, this guy was only 27. It's just like the way he sounds and everything, uh, maybe it's because we associate so much of his music with uh, middle age to old people now. But it's just amazing to think that he did all that by the time he was 27. Yeah, I mean, there are some city miles on those folks, I'll tell you that. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons why he decided to gain the weight and uh, grow the beard was that Miami incident. He was just, uh, I think, tired of... Actually, I think he already had the beard in the Miami incident. I think he was just getting tired of being like the 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 teen heartthrob look, and so he really wanted to focus have the audience start focusing not just on him but on the art and what better way to do that by looking like a truck driver 
and he was probably hanging out with truck drivers at that point anyways. So um, they know how to drink in bars. Yeah, as you say, drinking like a a truck driver. Exactly. Um, So in the film, and I think this is a good interpolation into, into talking about the film. So in the film that shows, there's a lot of inaccuracies. So for one, uh, it showed in the film that during the recording of this song, which is not true, apparently, uh, he was receiving a blowjob from uh, his girlfriend, Pam uh, Corson, uh, who was essentially like his muse. Um, they would fight and then we get back together and they never got married. They didn't have any kids, um, but they were a long time, a long time together. And she was there with him when he he died in the bathtub. Um, but okay. So I'll start in, uh, 91. I think it was Oliver Stone. Uh, yes, it was Oliver Stone that, uh, you know, directed the film starring Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison, um, Kyle McLaughlin as Ray Manzarek. And then, uh, Frank Wally as, uh, Robbie Krieger. And then Kevin Dillon, uh, Johnny drama from, entourage as John Densmore. And then you also had Billy Isle show up who was apparently supposed to be in a bigger role, but he broke his foot. And so he had to be reduced down to just kind of like a hanger on. Um, he was supposed to be, I think Tom Baker. I think he was supposed to play Tom Baker instead of um, Michael Madsen. So I could be wrong about that, but I will tell you the movie's a cartoon. Um, it it uh, is, not even Ray Manzarek hated it. Uh, Oliver Stone tried to get the input from the whole band. They were pretty like standoffish about it. Robbie Krieger liked the film um, Salvador. I think that's the film that uh, he did. And, or maybe it was Platoon. I think it was Platoon. And they were like, okay, he can do it. And it just turned into this just cartoon. I mean, honestly, he, uh, I, I liked Val Kilmer at the time when I was young. I liked this movie quite a bit. Um, it has not aged well in my eyes. I think that it makes Jim Morrison's either seem that he was on the spectrum um, and just like he had been hit in the head really repeatedly and just was always in this daze. And um, I don't think Jim Morrison was that cartoonish. Yes, he was a drunk. Yes, he was obnoxious. Yes, he was all of those things. But I don't think that he was always that cartoon and Ray Manzarek um, definitely said he wasn't like that. Where was the funny guy? Where was the sweet guy? All we got was Jimbo Morrison, not Jim Morrison. And um, yeah, I don't know. What'd you guys think? Yeah. So this one I watched the first time I watched it, uh, I think I was 12 or 13. My dad (laughs) rented it. It was like, Hey, and I, I get it. Like every now and then I'll be in a mood to watch a movie and I'll just, I'll have to run it through my head. Is this okay for Lennox? Cause I want to watch, I want to, I want to bestow something upon him, but apparently this is what my dad wanted to bestow upon me. Um, well, I mean, considering that when I think of your father, I think of the, uh, of, uh, Peter Fonda's character in the limey. All makes <laughs> yeah. Sense. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I remember liking it and, I remember liking Oliver Stone in my up to a point, And then he's really hard to, to go back to for a lot of his movies, even like natural born killers, which is, is fun. And I, and I love rewatching it. Um, but you know, not all of that is intentional, you know, uh, uh, Oliver Stone paints everything with a very broad brush. 
Um, the good news is he gets really good music and he gets really good, uh, really good cast. So like in the doors, you're right. Jim Morrison is ridiculous. And I, I'm not going to say Val Kilmer did a bad job. I think Val Kilmer did what he was supposed to do. Um, and, uh, but it was, yeah, no, the entire time he's mugging, he's just, just absolutely rotating his hips back and forth. <laughs> he's running his fingers through his hair. Uh, he's puckering his lips. It's the, the whole, the whole thing is, uh, is ridiculous, but you know, credit where credit's due. He did sing some of the songs and, and, you know, I don't know. He pulled it off probably as Oliver told him to pull it off. Um, but the cast is great. I mean, Kyle McLaughlin as Ray, uh, is lovable in that. I, I, I did feel like I enjoyed his character. Um, and, uh, it's also kind of Forrest Gumpy in the sense that they wanted, like Oliver Stone wanted to like play up all of the pop culture stuff happening. So like he goes to the factory and meets Andy Warhol, which is expertly cast as, uh, as Crispin Glover. Oh God, it's so good. <laughs> and, and his like, um, his little right hand man is, uh, uh, with Paul Williams, the, uh, the, uh, singer. Um, it, yeah, that whole scene is awesome. I, I really like that scene where Nico bets him. He can drink, she can drink him under the counter. And like that, that was all great. Um, I don't know. I Mark, I, maybe because I don't have the emotional connection to the band. Like I did realize I was watching a cartoon. I, it is so fast paced and so silly and seeing the like parade of, of cast and good, like, like actors I enjoy and other things. Like I, I, I totally enjoyed myself even, even though I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, it's an entertaining or, watch. I mean, it's an entertaining yeah. watch. I'll give you that. It's just you're you walk away from uh, Jim Morrison as more mythologized, and that's I think why so many people are just they look at the doors and they see just someone who's pretty overrated. Um, that's sure. all. I think sure. that a lot of yeah. the, this is kind of where um, it, it, it amplifies the doors being easily dunked on. I mean, that's all. Sure, yeah. sure. No, no, no. And that's fair. And that's fair because he, yeah, uh, in a way he kind of, kind of comes off as a joke. And uh, and his relationship with Meg Ryan's character as Pam is frustrating. No, Jim, no. <laughs> I know. No, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. I'll post it in the yeah. show notes, but Ben Stiller Show did a great sketch um, around this movie, and I'll, I'll make yeah. sure to post it. Uh, it was also greatly, uh, greatly uh, uh, parodied in Wayne's World 2 with all of his dream sequences with the naked Indian that takes him to the sand dunes and he meets uh, Jim Morrison and Jim Morrison is talking to Sammy Davis Jr. played by T- Tim Meadows. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim Meadows too, was also in uh, the Dewey Cox movie. Mm-hmm. Callback. Um, so I think... For this, for this assignment in this album, uh, and somebody who's not big on the door, like not super versed in the doors, I still realized it was nonsense, but, uh, it still helped me. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if, if you had a pop art book of American history, you know, it's not accurate, but it's in some weird, like, uh, circus, uh, you know, funhouse mirror version of of, of the history of the band. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
Um, Steve, any closing thoughts on uh, on the movie, or should we uh, get into the record? I haven't seen that movie in like 25 years. Um, I remember it being kind of over the top, but at the time, I was young enough to enjoy it. Um, but yeah, everything Eric is saying sounds spot on, considering just uh, the Oliver Stone plus Jim Morrison must equal uh, over the top shenanigans. So I will say, though, I bet you that that movie, I haven't checked my timeline yet, but it probably is the reason we got that great sketch from the kids in the hall about the doors. You know, actually, I was thinking of getting into something vintage anyway. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the doors? Really? Never had you figured for a doors fan. <laughs> I'm not really a doors fan, but sure, I'd like to get into them. No, 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 my friend. Doors fans aren't made. They're born. I think right now in Africa, there's some guy madly beating on a drum. He's a Doors fan. Or an old lady on the bus sucking humbugs. She's a rider on the storm, but she ain't never heard the sounds. So what about you? Well, I heard a record of theirs last night at a party. Yeah? And I've always liked Lover Madly. Well, if you become a Doors fan, Lover Madly is the only song you won't like. All right. I guess I should start with their greatest hits. Hey! Greatest hits albums are for housewives and little girls. You're not serious. You don't want to be a Doors fan. Get out of my store. We're closed. Get out of no, here. No, 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 no. I want you to show me the way. Was that a Frampton reference in my store? <laughs> no, no, no. No lyrics. Just words. Just words. Words. All right. If you want to be a Doors fan, you can't just go buy any album. It's scientific. Sure. You got to buy this. Waiting for the sun. It's the departure point. Listen to it every night around dusk for about a month. Sounds good, then what? Who's playing bass? No one. No bass. No bass? That's right. The gypsies had no homes. The doors had no bass. But don't let that scare you, my friend. Let that liberate you. Because when you're free flying with the doors, man, what do you need a safety net for? Viva the doors! Viva the doors! Hey, hey, Dave, here we are, Los Angeles, 1969. I mean, I think in a few years we should make some grand declaration that your first real trip to America is to New York. But for now, let's just enjoy LA as a couple of incognito rock stars. You just put out your first album, Space Oddity, and we are a couple of men on the town in sunny LA. Of course, it's nighttime. Let's go find some good music. Uh, yes, Tony. This is we're here in L.A. We've we've made it. The, 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 I I do believe it would be sunny if it was the daytime, but it is night right now, and uh, th this is everything that we've heard it was going to be. I I'm very excited to be here in Los Angeles, and one day if we ever make a really subpar movie about me that has a bit role by a podcaster, I, I believe that we should pretend that this trip never happened. Makes sense to me. Okay, where are we? What is it, Venice? Venice Beach? Ah, Venice, yes. A very good night to be here at Venice Beach. And what what goes on here in, in Los Angeles? Now, I've read I've read the trades and, and you know, the, uh, the 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 rock stars of America in Los Angeles. I mean, they get down, do they not, Tony? 
Yeah, I, I, I think so. They get down. I mean, it's a different world. You know, I'm from Brooklyn, as you know. And uh, listen, we we try not to, you know, we try to be a little bit more low key. But uh, out here, yeah, they, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they definitely party. You got girls in go-go cages. Uh, you got, um, you know, you got these rock stars dying at 27 left or right. Hey, uh, but listen to that. You hear that organ? Yeah. Very cute. That's that organ. Do you hear that organ? Oh, it says beautiful. It's quite, it's... quite the sound. That's interesting. I uh, that band. Um, I I kind of recognize them. Uh, absence of a bass player. I hear that. Very strange. Let's go check it out. They, no bass player. <laughs> Blasphemy. Hey, fellas, can you spare me some light from your soul? Yeah, yeah, the scram, Riff Raffa. We don't have any uh, any money for you. Listen, we're from the UK. All we have are pounds, all right? Come on, let's go hey, listen hold, to some hold music. Tony, hold on. Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. New Jack Swing. Tony, I believe that that is not just some hobo, uh, and that might be a politically incorrect term. That is Jim Morrison of the Dole. Hey. I'm glad you know my work, but tonight I shed my Jim Morrison skin. That's right, the the, the rays of the the sun of truth took those off like scales and regrew new scales. Tonight I'm the Lizard King. My God, that is poetry. The Lizard King shedding skin. So if you have a different persona when you're playing your music, or not playing your music. Is that what I'm understanding here, uh, Mr. Morrison? That's right. When I'm when I'm picking up some coffee, I'm little Jim Morrison down the block. But when I'm singing about the truths of the soul and the past, present, and future of hell, I'm the Lizard King. And when, well, when I got a big old boner, I'm the I'm the Mr. Mojo Rising. You get it, Mr. Mojo Rising. Tony, do you get Mr. Mojo Rising? I quickly, me, David Bowie, smart fellow, realize that that is an anagram. And that's for Jim Morrison. <laughs> oh, Jim, oh. you're a genius. You really are. This, oh. this, this. And you, what's, what's your name? You, you, you waifish fellow. I feel a strange, I feel a, a strange connection to your spirit, your aura. Well, I mean, Jim, I, I, I am David Bowie. But maybe another time when I'm getting milk from the store or if I am writing some songs, I will be someone different. I mean, maybe one day I'll be a lad insane. Do you get it? Yes, just like your <laughs> mojo rising. This is so fun. What a game it is. I'm telling you, Dave, this is, this is the way to do it, man. Are you... If you What's art if you can only be one mouth speaking art, but when you can be four or five, that's, the, the possibilities are endless. I can tell you and I have a connection. Now this other guy you call Tony, I, I think he might be a cop. Hey, I, I, re I resent that, but uh, you, Dave. Well, hold on, hold on, uh, Jim. Now I know that Tony is kind of a square and uh, Tony owes me money. He uh, typically ruins things with women that I have going on. Uh, he smells like cabbages. And uh, Tony is obviously, you know, he is not one of the supermen. 
But Tony mm. is my friend, and I, I keep him around. And um, I mean, if there's, I think there's one thing we can all bond on right now is that uh, Jim, I have to say, you smell like Axis Chemicals. Are you on acid? <laughs> oh, uh, you, you can call it that if you want, but what is what are chemicals anyways? We have chemicals in our brain naturally. One could say chemicals are natural, and if they get me closer to my natural state, well, that's just, uh, you could just call that uh, uh, the tab of acid I took as God's postage stamp. Exactly. More poetry from Mr. Mojo Ryzen. I do enjoy it. And you see, Jim, uh, you know, I... You and I, we are both poets, and you and Tony are both wanton drug fiends. So I think we can have the greatest night of our life. Oh, you hear that, my good friend Ray? He's calling my siren song. He's beckoning me by tickling those keys. So please follow, follow my dancing tendrils of fingers as I wave you inside. And, and as you listen to this music, I want you to think about the past. I want you to think about what brought you here today. I want you to think about the present, how you're feeling as this God's postage stamp absorbs into your brain. And I want you to think about the future. In the future, how good will people feel to give, to give? give to their favorite podcast through Patreon. And and I want you to think about that as you're enjoying this rock and roll music set. I am the Lizard King. Watch me on stage. That's patreon.com slash Okay, now that's a good place to stop for this week. As we talked about all of the Doors history, um, I feel that this is a good time to take a little bit of an intermission. So join us next week when the Pod Like a Whole hosts finish our discussion on the Doors as we go track by track on L.A. Woman. See you next week, and as always, we hope that we brought you closer to Bond. Waiting for the sun.